0: Let's join together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would put that uh, that passion in all of us, that we would go. Now, we think about going, we think either across the earth or we think to the poor, whether that's uh, downtown or a rural area, but it doesn't have to be that. we. We can go to our neighbors. We can go to our families. We can go to our spouses. I believe, dear Lord, if you are truly in our hearts, then we are outwardly focused, that we want to touch lives for Christ, that we want to offer people Christ. Dear Lord, I pray that you would put that passion and that conviction in each of us more and more starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all again for being with us. Uh, a couple of things before getting in, into the message. First off, if you happen to be here uh, last Sunday, uh, I think I preached uh, one of my more challenging sermons than that I've ever preached. Um, I, would, I would encourage you all, if you weren't here, to listen to it on the podcast. Um, if, you, if you are here after that sermon and you, you were there last week, thanks for coming back. Um, not necessarily sure you would or not, but uh, I'm glad you're here. And actually, that part was really part one of a two-part series, and today is part two. And if last week was the challenge, it is uh, this week where I'm really going to be rooting you on, and saying that I believe that you, that we can can do it. And I'm going to talk about the doing in a minute. But I really believe in you, and I want you to hear that. So today is going to be like a cheerleading sermon. Second thing, you may I'm not sure you may have seen a number pop on screen. If not, you're going to see numbers regularly pop up on screen. Uh, you don't let that throw you off. It's not a media glitch. We've got a great media team and all that. Uh, I'll let you know into the sermon what that is. But, uh, I mean, you can, you can kind of reference it and you can make a mental note. Okay, that's a number. So just bear with us there. And then uh, most of all, I want you to know this. I do what I do, uh, as in preach or pastor or whatever you want to call it. I, I do what I do really for three reasons. Uh, first reason is I want people, regular, ordinary Joes or Janes, To believe in Christ. Do what I do. I want people to believe in Christ. Because there's some people who don't. Some of you may not fully believe in Christ. Some of you may not have a relationship with Christ. The other reason I do what I do is I want believers to become disciples. See what I'm saying there? Is that even if you just believe in Christ, I believe that you can go further. That you can, as we've sang about as I've talked about with Mark and Jeff here, that you can be disciples, that anyone, any of you can be a leader for Christ. And the third reason I do what I do is because I want churchgoers to become church doers. There's a big difference. Church goers to become church doers. Uh, a lot of us can just go to church. I mean, I was raised going to church. That doesn't mean, or it didn't necessarily mean that I had a relationship with Christ, it certainly didn't mean I was a disciple. And I do what I do because I want people to not only just go to church, I want people to live Jesus' church. That the church is much more than an event. Church is a relationship. Church is a life. So that being said, uh, this week I did a uh, kind of a survey. Uh, Never done anything like this before, and we'll probably do do it more times. Uh, I sent an email to 30 men, and actually my wife sent the same email to 30 women. And uh, we asked... These sixty folks—some who go to Bellwether, some who who don't, uh, some who I think are uh, are really like rocking as a disciple, others who may be uh, young in their growth with Christ or the relationship with Christ—and I asked them a couple of questions. And the main one was, "What challenges you in your walk with Christ? Uh, what what's a barrier for you?" And I gave a couple options, and there was two themes that that literally came. I mean, not 100%, but there were two constant themes when people responded. One was, I have all these distractions in my life. I know what I should do, and I know how I should be living, but I got all these distractions. And the second one was, I don't know how to share my faith. Or if I am sharing, I'm not sure if if I'm sharing it the right way. I'm not really sure how I can witness or how I can share Christ. Those are really the two consistent themes across the the response that I got, and those really struck me, and I wasn't necessarily surprised. And today we're going to be hitting on both of those. We're going to talk about distractions, what can distract us, and we're going to be talking about how we can, starting today, do a better job at sharing Christ. First, I want to talk about distractions and. Uh, all of us have distractions. You know, we've got this, uh, the Bible says, Scripture's very clear that we have a great purpose for our life. Jeremiah 29, it says, I have a plan for you, God says, to prosper, not to harm you. God is very clear. He has a purpose for your life. I believe God has a great purpose for your life, a, a phenomenal purpose. And it's not to hurt you. It's not to harm you. It is, it is for good. And actually, it's an eternal purpose. It doesn't just end at your physical death. It goes on forever. You have a purpose for your life. The problem we have is we often get really caught up in, in distractions of, of this world. And it is a, it is a challenge, but we, don't, we shouldn't use that as an excuse. And, you know, I've come to find in my uh, relatively young life or, or young ministry in seven, eight years of preaching and pastoring, that there are three really big distractions that people have. I mean, these are like major distractions. And you can have one of these three, you may have all of these three, but really they're kind of all tied together. The first one is a love, a love or a search for money or financial wealth or just wealth in general. Or maybe it's a search for a lifestyle, but you need the money to get your lifestyle. And I see people just, you know, beat themselves up. I see people get very far from God because they're so focused on attaining wealth in this life. And we all know, I mean, it's said, kind of like a cliche, you can't take it with you, and you can't take it with you. But it seems like we may know that in our mind, but we don't know it in our, in our speech and in our hands and in our heart. I, uh, I knew a guy once, actually I knew several guys kind of like this. Went to Harvard Business School. And a great guy, I mean, like, you know, all-American guy, you know, very focused, very driven, want to be successful and everything. And he said, he said to my wife and I, he's like, you know, I really got this heart for Christ, and I really want to give, you know, and be very philanthropic. I just want to make my millions first, and then I'm going to give a lot, you know, a percentage of that to the poor. I was like, man, that's, that's <laughs> I mean, just, it just, it really struck me. I've never forgotten that. And he wants to get rich first. And then he'll, he'll give, you know, some somewhat. And now that's the only person who said that to me. But I know plenty of people, I would argue, have that mentality already. So that's a big distraction. Just, you know, getting money. Another big distraction is being held back by your past. I mean... Let me make it clear what I mean by that. One is, let's say, you know, you've got this sinful past. We all have sinful pasts. But, I mean, you know, maybe your sin was a lot more blatant than, uh, than some, of, some of our other sins. And so let's say you've lived in this past life of sin, whether it be, you know, addiction or adultery or greed or all this stuff. And then you came to Christ. So you've got this belief in Christ. But you, the devil wants to keep kind of pulling us back. It's like, hey, remember how you lived? Man, you can't be a disciple for Jesus. Remember what you did? You know, I mean, you're, you're really bad. You know, I mean, that's, the, that's that little devil on our shoulder telling us all that. And I, I see this. I mean, it holds people back from their purpose. It holds people back from the life that God wants you to have. And it's just, it's like major bondage. Even if they know Christ, but it's holding them back from growing how he wants us to grow. And then... I would say that the uh, the third, and you know, sometimes this can be the, the worst, um, it's worrying about what other people think. Man, I mean, you may deny this, and we may argue about this, but I think this is so big. We are trapped in this mentality, in this culture, that we're so concerned about what other people think, our reputations, and it boils down to a pride issue, and pride is the original sin, and... It's in us. I mean, we worry about what we think. And that affects what we do with our kids. That affects who we spend our time with. That affects who we're in relationships with. That affects where we go to church. Somebody told me a couple weeks ago that he had never seen a place where social judgments are placed on you by where you go to church. And it's, it's very true, very true. Some of you had social judgment placed for coming to Bellwether. Others may have social judgments placed if they left Bellwether or, you know, I mean, they're just it's very true. And we get so concerned by what people think. I think these are three major distractions. Pursuit of wealth, being held back by past sin, or unforgiveness. I forgot to throw that in. I mean, you may not be forgiving people, and that's holding you back. And then worrying about what other people think. And all of these are here in this world, here in this earth. And We can focus so much time. We can invest so much energy in these things. And one day, those will all end. I got news for you. Our eternal life will not end. And so I I believe, and what I want to stress, the greatest investment you can make, your greatest investment is eternal, is eternity. Things that we do that have eternal consequences are the greatest things that we can do in our life, with our lives, I want to share a, a verse with you. This is Acts chapter twenty, uh, just one verse, Acts twenty, verse twenty-four. And this is Paul writing, and I think that this verse so clarifies the true purpose. Let me say that again: the true purpose for each of our lives, not just me as preacher, not just a church leader, but for each of our lives. Acts 20, verse 24, it says, Paul says, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. I think this verse, I think it just crystallizes our true purpose. Paul is saying, I do not consider this life, my life, ...as worth anything. I would challenge myself... ...I would challenge you... ...can we ever think like that? That this life... ...this here and now... ...it's not worth anything. But what, worth, what is worth something... ...is our eternal life... ...and other people's eternal lives. So Paul is saying... ...I'm going to finish this course... ...this race... ...because it is a race... ...I mean it is a course... And there are trials and there are struggles and there are challenges. And Paul says, but by the grace of God, I'm going to finish it. And not only am I going to endure, here's the great part. I'm going to testify. I mean, I'm going to share the gospel, the good news that we have life for eternity with Christ. And that life can start today and we can live in it with Him in a relationship with Jesus. And he's saying, I am going to share this I'm going to do everything I can with all my life to share this good news. Now, that may sound very churchy to you. That may sound kind of like a Sunday school answer. That may say, you say, man, I've heard that before. When I sat in the seat growing up, it is the real deal. I've talked about distraction we have. I've talked about things that don't matter. There are two things that matter for eternity. And this is what I want to focus the rest of my life on. And this is what I want all of us to be focused on. There are two things that matter for eternity. One is God's word. God's word. His word lasts forever. And when Paul says, I'm going to share the gospel, he is saying, I'm going to share God's word. So then, I want to know God's word. I want to study it. I want to be clear about it. I want to talk about it with people in a small group. I want to learn about it at church. I want to grow in God's word. God's word lasts forever. Forever. Shakespeare doesn't last forever. You know? Um, I know a lot of y'all love this book. The Help doesn't last forever. All the great books written today are in the past. These words will not last forever. God's Word will. His Word is so much more than just pen on paper. It's life. It's the Word of God. So one, what can you focus on? What's your purpose in life? Is to know the Word of God. And second, the other thing that lasts forever is people. We last forever. God's word is very clear about that. We have eternal lives. We matter to God. We last forever. And there are two places that we're going to spend eternity with. If we have a relationship with Jesus, we'll spend eternity with him in heaven. If we do not have a relationship with Jesus, we spend eternity apart from God in hell. Bottom line. And so I'm very convicted how I want to spend the rest of my life is investing in those two things. God's word and people. And I want to convict you that yes, there are all these things in our life, but these distractions, they really don't matter. And if you've had this sinful past and God's wiped the slate clean for you in Christ, you can do this. If you're worried about what people think, hey, look, it's going to end. It may be three years, it may be 10 years, it may be 30 years, it may be 70 years, but at a point, our life here on Earth, everyone's life here on Earth, is going to end eternity will not end. And so the more we can know God's word and the more we can know how as Paul said testify and share God's word and those are those are our eternal purposes. And again, I believe you can. I believe you can do this. I believe you can. How? First it's helpful to know how loving our God is. God is love. And God wants no one, no one, alone, for eternity. I'll share another verse with you. This is uh, this is in First Timothy. First Timothy. First Timothy two. Verse four. And it says, "It said God wants all men and women to be saved." And come to a knowledge of Him. Our God. I mean, the God we're worshiping here today. The God we learn about is... The, our God is love. And He loves people. He loves you. He loves all of us. He loves everyone in this, in this world. And, and the sad thing... And sometimes this is the fault of us as Christians. Sometimes the fault of us as the church... Is that we don't convey this message. That God loves us. God loves you. He wants this eternal relationship with you. He has an eternal purpose for your life. And he wants you to live with him for, forever. And it's good. It's not like a bad deal. I have, uh, I've been fortunate enough, and I don't like talk about this a lot, but I've been fortunate enough to, uh, to travel and to live in a lot of different places around the world. And I've met a lot of different people. I've shared apartments or houses with a lot of different folks. And um, every person that i have met whether they've whether i've grown up with them or they're here in mississippi whether i knew them in france whether i knew them in washington dc and they had a good job or political power whether i knew them in australia and i got to know a lot of folks from australia from asia whether i knew them in boston people who had you know the most the greatest academic credentials you can fathom everyone every person that i've known in my life has a whole ...in their heart. And let me say this. I have had a hole in my heart. You have a hole in your heart. Every person has a hole... ...in our heart. And we strive to fill it... ...with different things. We strive to fill it with success. And maybe that looks like financial success... ...or academic success... ...or just career success... ...and having the right job. We try to fill it with other relationships. We fill it with a spouse. We fill it with children. We fill it with addictions... Fill it with sex. Fill it with, you know, going out. We fill that hole in our hearts. And I I see people now, especially as I pastor, and I get to know, and it's like, man, this hole is so deep. This hole is so wide. It's really only that I've been, as a pastor, that that I've reflected back to all these other people. Man, like, everybody has this tremendous gap, this hole in their hearts. And God just wants so to fill it. God sent Jesus to fill it. God says, nothing on this earth is going to fill that hole. And why I preach, why I implore, why I like just, just pour it out is like, y'all, nothing will fill that hole except Christ. Please, I, I, just, I urge you, stop whatever you're doing and trying to fill that hole and start filling it with Jesus. Our God is love. Our God wants everybody to be saved. And the problem is there's so many people, and again, sometimes we have hurt ourselves and people don't come through our doors because they don't think that God or Christ or his word can fill that hole, but it can. And we've got to start showing them it can. Think about, imagine, uh, one of my greatest nightmares, you who are parents, uh, one of our greatest nightmares. What if your son or your daughter was lost? What if your son or daughter, and let's say they're small, let's say they can't take care of themselves, they can't find their way home and they're, they're off somewhere, anywhere and you don't know where they are they are lost and you don't know where they are and you don't know how to reach them and they don't know how to get home we've all seen milk cartons milk cartons with pictures of lost children man, it's that's that's such a scary feeling seeing the face of a child who is lost so If you can imagine that then try to imagine the heart of God who there are all these there's millions of people who are lost and he's he's looking at them and he he wants them so much to be able to come to him and they don't know how and God wants to reach out to them and say please come to me and he did that in Christ and they're still not, not coming and they're still lost. You know Our TV and movie and stories and all that, you know, can be so emotional on us. And not that I do this all the time, but I'm sure you have. Have you ever, like, cried, you know, at a movie or, you know, cried at a TV show? And, you know, we can get all emotional and we can weep for a story, a made up fictional story. Have you ever wept for someone's eternal life? Let me stand here and admit, and I'm totally honest, I never have. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. God's putting this on my heart to to weep because someone may not spend eternity with Christ. We we cry at everything else. We get all emotional. Soap operas, stories, everything. Movies. Do We weep for lost souls. And God help us that we do. 54 million people will step into eternity this year. 2.3 million Americans will step into eternity this year. The numbers that I hope have been popping up on screen represent the number of people that, as we've started this message, have entered eternity. Just about two a second. And the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. Another number for you, 125,000. 125,000 people in the metro area either do not have a relationship with a church family. And if they don't have a relationship with a church family, I would argue they really don't have a relationship with Christ. 125,000. The clock is ticking. Eternity is real. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? I was given this, uh, this week a print, a uh, beautiful print, and it was uh, John Wesley. Maybe if there's a few tried and true Methodists here, you know who that guy is. He was kind of the founder of Methodism, although he didn't call it Methodism, but... He really had a passion for evangelism. He had a passion for saving souls. And the print is John Wesley over in England on the shores of England. And there's a small boat and he's giving this preacher, pastor a Bible as the boat's going to go off and, and take off for America, for the colonies. And underneath are the words that he said. It simply says, offer them Christ. I love that. Going off to the new world, being a trailblazer, they're going to plant churches. And Wesley's saying, offer them Christ. And what I would say to you, because there are 125,000 and there are people that are stepping to eternity, offer them Christ. I believe you can. I mean, I, I really believe you can. He's like, no, that, that's not my call. I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not, I'm not a church leader. No, you can. We can. We can know our eternal purpose. We can live into it. We can know a God that loves all people and wants to have a relationship with Him and wants to have that relationship for eternity. And we can start today. And what I want us to do is I want you to start changing your world today. And when I say changing your world, I literally mean changing your world because a lot of us live in this world where we are distracted. A lot of us live in this world where our focus is not eternal at all. And I I hope and I pray that the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now that you have an eternal purpose and is also convicting that you can live into that eternal purpose by sharing the gospel. How? It starts with love. It starts with love. I want to read one other passage to you. It is in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 13, starting with verse 1 through 3. Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. It begins and ends with love. He says it. He says, man, I can can be the most eloquent speaker. I can give the greatest sermon. I I can give the greatest sales pitch. But if I don't have love, it is nothing. I can sing and have the greatest voice. But if there's not love there, it is nothing. I can know and have all the knowledge. I can know all the future and see into the future and know all the mysteries. But if you don't have love, it's nothing. You can have this great faith and believe that, hey, God can do great things. If we don't have love, it is nothing. Hey, I can be a great missionary. I can give. I can tithe. I can give everything to the poor. But if it's not rooted in love, it's nothing. He goes on, even if I surrender my body, if I give my physical life away, to be burned, it says, if there's not love there, love rooted in Christ, it is, it is nothing. How do we share our faith how do we as Paul says testify how do I believe that you can man you don't you don't have to like you know give the you know 10 steps to knowing Christ it starts and ends with love very 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 simple and that's what we're going to start doing we're going to start hopefully today hopefully you will begin today but we're going to even be more intentional coming into this Christmas season this Advent season. And so if you have the card that, that we gave out, please, uh, please pull it out and just have a look at it real quick. And I want to give you some ways that you can start. You can start loving right now. You can start witnessing right now. You can start sharing Jesus right now. You can start your eternal purpose and your true destiny right now. This is a, uh, we're calling it No One Home Alone. Christmas season is a time when everybody, or not everybody, but so many people feel lonely. Whether they've lost a loved one, whether they've had broken relationships, whether they're not sharing Christmas with a kid, I mean, people can feel really lonely. And so the goal of this campaign, and I call it a campaign. I've always said, you know, we'd never do a capital campaign at Bellwether, and we're not going to. I believe, hey, we have faith and we have a vision. God's going to provide the resources. God always has. We're going to have a campaign for people. And I believe that this church, and a lot of us aren't here today, but I believe that this church can touch 5,000 lives in a three-week period over the Christmas season. I believe that. I know it. And Why? Because we can love on some folks, and we're going to do that. Simple ways to do it. One, you can just pray for a person, as in like pray, and they know you're praying for them. So if you have a friend, you know, Joe or Jane, I mean, you let Joe or Jane know, say, hey, I'm praying for you, about this or that. And so that they know that you are praying for them. Second, you can invite them to church. You can invite them here. I mean, we want to be a welcoming family. We want to be Jesus' family. We want them to see Jesus here through worship and word. You also have an opportunity to invite them to a night of worship on December 18th. You have an opportunity to invite them to Christmas Eve. That's the way you can touch a life. And then you can just simply love on somebody. I mean, love on somebody by, you know baking them some cookies? or I don't bake, but you know, I mean, if I did, you bake them some cookies and take them, or, or, you know, what I like to do, hey, call somebody and buy them a cup of coffee or buy them lunch, or just walk to your neighbor's house and say, hey, I'm just checking on you over this season, and hey, since I'm here, why don't you come to my church family, and hey, since I'm here, is there is there anything I can pray for you about? You can hit all three in one fell swoop. Now, those are just some simple ways, but on this card, we've got commitments that you can make. And we want you to keep this card. We want you to put it somewhere where you can see it. Maybe it's in your car. Maybe it's on your fridge. But there are commitments. And again, like, I'll just go over them real quick. It says, check on someone this Advent season. Pray for their personal needs. Share the good news of Jesus and invite them to church. That's something you we can do individually. You can be part of a team or a group. We're mobilizing every B group that we have. And we're hoping we start other... New groups, new teams. Maybe this will inspire people to say, hey, I can take three or four people and do something. In an outreach team, take part in an outreach event. We want each B group to think about, hey, where can we go? You know, maybe it's to a store and like wrap presents for an afternoon. Maybe we can serve coffee at at Broad Street or or Sneaky Beans. I mean, we want our groups to be creative and innovative. Like, hey, how can we reach out? How can we extend in the love of Christ? And then, and now I know this is the big challenge right here, I will come to Sunday service during Advent, each Sunday. Hey, can you come four Sundays in a row? United as a church family. Because I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be doing an Advent series on evangelism, on reaching out, on sharing your faith. I'm going to talk more in the how-to. Invite people to, five people to Sunday night worship, invite five people to Christmas Eve service. It's a commitment. I'm challenging myself. I'm challenging our church family to commit. And we're actually going to count. We're going to be about numbers. Now, I don't want you to start this week. Some of you, I think, have already snuck around and started. But don't start this week. I want to start next Sunday. And we're going to give you a phone number to text. And each Sunday, text the lives that you have touched. And we're going to announce how many lives we've touched on our night of worship. We're going to celebrate. And so maybe I have to get up here. And it's like, we've touched 150 lives. Praise God. Hey, we'll just do the same series next Christmas, and I'll do that. But I'm believing we can touch 5,000 lives. I mean, I, I believe that we can touch 5,000 lives. We are going to touch 5,000 lives. I want you to believe that you can begin your eternal life today. How do you start today? Even if I say, hey, we're starting next week, here's how. If you got a pen, I want you to write some stuff down. If you don't, try to find a pen. Doesn't matter. Find a pen. I want you to be praying for this campaign over Thanksgiving. But more so than that, I want you to start praying for the lives you're going to touch right now, today. How do we start witnessing today? We write down the names that God puts on our heart. I ask you right now, Write the name down of a friend that God has put on your heart that you're going to reach out to. Go ahead. I mean, if you don't if you don't know it yet, you know, pray about it for two seconds. But write it down. Maybe there's the name of a family member. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife that you're going to reach out to. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. Write the name of a friend. Write the name of a family member. Someone you work with. You know them. They need some love. They they're feeling lonely. Write it down. Maybe somebody just in your social circles, a friend or an acquaintance. Maybe it's just, it's literally the person who lives right next door to you. So I'd ask you now or the rest of the time of this service, write some names down. This week, what you can do, what you can do today is start praying over these names. And yes, start praying over this campaign. There are people lonely. There are pe- if we're going to be Jesus' church... We need to touch their lives. More important than that, there are going to be people that are alone for eternity. You know them and I know them. When are we going to start sharing our faith? When are we going to start sharing love, the love of Christ? I'll close quickly with this one story. What, is, what does sharing look like? Here, I've heard this story. This is, this is the simplest way I can put it. There was a father who had three kids, loved his kids so much, Said, hey, I'm gonna take you to a uh, a fair, carnival, something, you know, with all these rides. And so the kids were all excited and they went to the fair. And the dad bought all these tickets. I mean, just Google's of tickets, and was handing them out, saying, Hey, you know, go on all the rides. Miss Free, just and so the three sons were so excited, and they were going on all the rides, and they'd ride like six, seven, eight, run out of tickets, come back. To the dads, I hand these some more tickets and give out tickets. They're just having a blast. Then all of a sudden, not only did the three sons come back to the dad, a fourth kid came up to him. And a fifth kid came up to the dad. And then a sixth and a seventh. And he said, what are you doing here? And the boy or the girl said, well, your son said that, you know, you had these free tickets and that you'd be willing to, to give them out to us. And the dad said, Of course. Here, I've got all these free tickets. I'll go buy some more, no problem. Here, take it. Have fun. Enjoy it. See, that is is exactly like our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father has a free ticket for you. For you. And listen very carefully to this. It is a ticket that you don't deserve, that I don't deserve. And it's a ticket that we can't earn. And he's already bought it and paid that price with Jesus. He's saying, here, just take it, man. Enjoy it. And then, if, if we really know that, we got lots of friends at this carnival called Life that want to experience that. And if we bring them, then he's going to give these free tickets too. I hope you know that. I hope you know that's who our Heavenly Father is. And I hope because we know that, that we will start offering people Christ. Offering people Christ, who has a free ticket to this life, who has the ticket that's going to fill this void that nothing, nothing on this earth will. And when you say, please, you know, stop, stop trying to fill your void, this hole in your heart with other things, and just fill it with Christ. There was a man, uh, a pastor I admire, he told the story that his dad, his dad died. And uh, the last words, last words of his life, just sitting there on the bed, strong, committed Christian, his, his last words, I, I really, when I heard this, I, I can't fathom it, and it's pretty amazing. His last words were, save one more for Jesus. Save one more for Jesus. And then he stepped into eternity. And I'm like, man, I want those to be my last words. Imploring someone else to save one more for Jesus. We can, by our love. We can, by knowing that that God wants this relationship. We can. You can. So today, I just want to offer you Christ. There's a hole in your heart. There's a hole in my heart. All our hearts have holes in them. I offer you Christ to fill your hole, to find life. Would you take him? Would you take that ticket? Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray for the souls that are in this room. They are not simply people. They are lives. They are souls that go on for eternity and they matter tremendously to you. And dear Lord, I pray that they would fill the hole in their heart with Christ. And as they do so, dear Lord, you would convict them to love by the love of Christ to reach out, to share, to invite, to simply pray for, even if they don't know words to speak, we can all pray for someone. We can extend ourselves out through prayer. And that through those prayers, you would begin to open our mouth. And you would begin to move our hands and move our feet. That we would go. And then we would offer people Christ. I pray that this church would be united. At the very least, over the next month. When people are lonely. And people are hurting. And brokenness can be more evident. That we be united in offering Christ free ticket of Jesus Christ in his day amen our response song is everything for Jesus to be your everything wherever you are in life whatever's going on right now whatever distractions have held you back I pray for you I ask you right now start changing your life today start your eternal destiny today make Christ your everything